Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hello, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm very excited today to have Dr. Anita Phillips here with me. Hi, Dr. Anita. Hi, so glad to be here. Now, Dr. Anita, I was just telling you that you're one of my bucket list guests because I really love the work that you're doing. You do exactly what we're talking about here on the Soul Grit Podcast, which is integrating our knowledge of the Bible and our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit into our work as clinical therapists. And so we're trying to help Christians to understand how to heal their bodies and their minds through these common grace experiences that we have through therapy. But sometimes it's a little bit scary because we want it to fit. And so in your new book, which we're going to talk about today, called The Garden Within, we, I heard you say that your mom asked the question, where do I find it in the Bible? How can I see that in the Bible? So do you want to give us a little bit of background on how you got to writing this book and why you wanted to find your your love of psychology of science and to root it in your faith. Can you talk about that a little bit? For sure. This book, this work has been in the making for almost my entire life. I guess really I should say my entire life. I'm a pastor's kid, pastor's grandkid. I grew up just so much in church. Back then people used to run revival. We don't have that much anymore, but my mom was an evangelist and she would preach literally six days a week at different churches. She only took off Mondays. And I would go with her. That was before preaching was flashy and there were no armor bearers. There was just me (laughs) dragging her bag and helping her buckle her shoe, literally. And then sitting on the front row and watching her preach the gospel. So it really started that way. I often say that Bible was my first language. Mm -hmm. And when something is your first language, when you learn other languages, it begins by you hearing the other language and translating it to the language that you know. And so I say that up front because I think it will help people understand how I got here. Uh, When I was about six or seven years old, my sister began showing uh, clear signs of a serious mental illness, but this is the early eighties. And so we didn't understand what was happening with her. It wasn't about us not believing in mental illness. It literally wasn't an option on the multiple choice list of things Mm -hmm. that might be wrong with Val. And so she would wake up in the middle of the night having hallucinations of demons. So yeah. this is a this is a challenge, right? We yeah. know how to deal with demons. I grew up in a Pentecostal house, so we plead the blood and cast them out, uh, right. but they kept coming back. Mm-hmm. And so it really was just a tormenting experience as my sister's illness spiraled without us knowing what to do. She became addicted to drugs and self-medicating. It quieted the voices. It stopped the hallucinations. And then the addiction took over for the next few decades. And of course, so many of our loved ones who are struggling with addiction are actually struggling with an untreated mental illness. Um, And my mom really reached a breaking point one day, just found her weeping. And I, of course, am angered by this. I was the rescue child. I became that kid. And she said, you know, I know something is wrong um, with your sister beyond what we 
can do to help her, but I still want to understand it in my Bible. I still want to understand it in my Bible. And so that question just really imprinted on me. And as I went forward, going into trauma therapy, became a professional myself, I still had those questions. What does the Bible say? But more so, how does the Bible explain it? I think Mm -hmm. we're often looking for that one verse or those two verses. And then we're saying, what does the Bible say? I have to find a verse. But there's a larger narrative that needed to be unearthed, literally. And I found that narrative in the garden. You know, God showed me that he actually uses gardens as a lesson plan to teach us about how we're made, what it means for us to be well, how we break and how we can be repaired spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and biologically. And that at the center of all of that is our heart. Our emotional lives are central to what it means to be well. Which is different from what most of us learn as Christians. Mm -hmm. I I think most of us learn, period. Well, yeah, true. The whole culture. Uh, Yeah, that is true. (laughs) And when we read our Bibles, we know verses about our hearts, mm-hmm. um, guard your hearts, above all else, you know, we know the verses, but we tend to focus more on our minds. And yeah. I have to say, this is one of the areas where the book really challenged me because yeah. most of the time, you know, I'm an insurance-based therapist. I have to do CBT because it's one of the evidence-based practices. And I've had a lot of success with that, especially integrating Uh, scripture into CBT. But the reason why your book challenged me a little bit was because you took it out of, it's not just changing the way you think, it's attending to the heart, the feelings, the emotions, that that place in the garden. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit, because you're trained as a trauma therapist. So tell us how you were able to discover that, that that was where we really needed to pay some attention. Well, absolutely. First, I want to say, like I said, it's not just the church, right? This is one of the places where as much as we talk about having biblical worldview, Mm -hmm. uh, we agree with the quote unquote world very much when it comes Mm -hmm. to the mind and believing that the mind is our ultimate power. And we talk about renewing the mind and secularly, we talk about mental toughness. And so this is an area of agreement with the church Um, that doesn't need to be, we should be disagreeing here. But for me, it really began with a biology class, a neuroscience class. Uh, The first time that I saw a picture of a neuron, it looked like a seedling. I mean, it was just undeniably looked like a plant. And I was so struck by that because the question in that moment was, do I believe in the God of my Sunday school book? Do Mm -hmm. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth? We are dealing with the life that we live. Adulting is hard. All the things are happening and we're using our faith for these problems that are at hand. Sometimes I think we forget about who God is or who we believe that he is. So if he created the heavens and the earth and me, there had to be a reason why a neuron looked like a seedling. Mm -hmm. And I just went down that rabbit hole headfirst and (laughs) began to first scripture, right? I always begin with the Bible. All of these verses that I've heard over the years are coming to the surface of my heart, you know, about us being a tree planted by rivers of water, that he will plant us in good land. And God talks about destroying uh, people as cutting us down as grass. I mean, Mm -hmm. from Genesis to Revelation, we're referred to as plants. (laughs) And so with those verses, and then looking at our biology, uh, I began to study those links and the links were mind blowing. Mm -hmm. But the key here is that neurons are the building blocks of our thoughts. And so if neurons are plants and God has planted this garden within us, where are the plants planted? 
a plant cannot be separated from where it's planted. It's called a plant. Like literally the name of it says, where am I being sustained? Where am I rooted? And the Bible tells us that the soil where plants go is the heart. Mm. And so at that moment, it was like, man, this is more than a metaphor. The creator really wrote a lesson plan. And so Mm. I studied scripture, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scriptures. And um, there's a consistent theme in our biology and in our psychology, heart and mind, Mm -hmm. and the heart is at the base. But uh, the newest neurobiology is confirming this, that our emotions are actually bodily states that Mm -hmm. precede our thoughts. They are not thought products. Mm -hmm. And like you, I was trained to put the mind first, but I Mm -hmm. had to let scripture correct me. And um, last thing I'll say is that I don't see it as integrating, which is what we've, the word we've used. Um, even as a, when I was in grad school, the first time I went to a Christian school, they mm-hmm. talked about this being integrating. How do I connect psychology to the Bible? But I don't see it that way. It mm-hmm. starts in scripture for me. And then the question is, how does what I see in my Bible translate right. to the questions that psychology is asking? How does it translate to the questions that biology and medicine are asking? And in that translation, I'm able to follow the golden thread that is God's word rather than trying to bring together things that I have assumed or disparate. That's integration. Mm-hmm. But what, you know, people will say, what does darkness have to do with light? You're trying to bring these things together. I'm following the thread of the word of God to translate from one language to the next. And yeah. Bible's my first language. I really like that metaphor. And in fact, I will say like every chapter of your book, I was like, Okay, well, usually you only get so much milk out of a metaphor, right? But every chapter I was like, nope, she's taking it deeper. There's it's more not a metaphor, th- that's why. <laughs> yeah, there's more There's more to say about mm-hmm. plants and the garden, the soil, mm-hmm. all of that. And so you talked about the heart being the soil mm-hmm. in which those thoughts are planted. Mm-hmm. And you kind of distinguished a few different types of soil. And I thought this was very fascinating. Would you mind taking us through that a little bit? Sure. So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells us the parable of the sower. And many people who are Christian are familiar with that story. There's wayside soil, stony soil, and thorny ground. And if you read closely, Jesus actually distinguishes among the soil types using emotion words. Mm. We have wayside soil. Nothing is described about it. There's no emotion there. It's hard and dry. And the seed that falls on it is easily stolen because the soil can't interact with the seed because it has no air or water. And there's no description of it emotionally. But then when we go to stony ground, the Bible says that it was the seed was received with joy and it woke up and took root. But then when it got hot, the soil became offended, which is a form of anger, and the plant was destroyed. And then in the thorny ground, Jesus describes some of the weeds that grow there, the first one being the anxieties of this world. Mm-hmm. And so fear is a part of that soil. And so this was really our first emotional vocabulary lists, like Jesus right. is giving it to us. And he's saying this is the heart. And that's so important because we do treat the heart as a figure of speech in scripture. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is using emotion words to describe this. So this is our emotional space. And then finally, there's good ground, which really just means fertile ground. And is this ground fertile for the seeds that are being sown? Mm -hmm. And so when we look at that, we can actually compare that to the soil in our yard. Mm -hmm. There are three kinds of soil in soil science. There is clay, which is that wayside soil. We know when it gets hard and dry, it's you can't plant anything there. There's Mm -hmm. sand 
which is really just a pile of teeny tiny rocks. There's your stony ground. And then silt, which is the most fertile of all the soil types. And in the thorny ground, we've got the the plant growing from God's word, but we have weeds growing too. So this soil's fertile. All these things are growing. Mm -hmm. And then there's good ground. In soil science, there's a form of soil called loam. It's the most fertile soil there is. It's what you get in the bag at Home Depot when you buy your soil. (laughs) And it's not a fourth kind of soil, really. It's just the proper mixture of all three. And so then that brings the question of balance. Mm. It's not so often that we are broken, but that we are out of balance. Mm -hmm. And that's where we see those other three soils being challenged. And so, Mm -hmm. like you said, it just keeps going deeper and deeper, (laughs) but it's because it's not a metaphor that I'm forcing or making up. I'm literally discovering it as Mm -hmm. I study what God made and Romans 120, which was one of the kind of catalytic verses that sent me on this journey. Romans 1.20 says that that which may be known of God is clearly seen being understood by the things that he made. And so when I saw what he made in a neuron and a plant and soil, I just Mm -hmm. trusted that that was the lesson plan. So I'm studying the lesson that God wrote. Mm -hmm. Now, I I wanted to talk to you about how this has changed, how you work with people when, Mm. when you now can identify, oh, there's some heart soil here that needs a little amendment. <laughs> My yeah. mom's a gardener. And so yes. she'll, when you have bad dirt in around our area, we have a lot of clay. It's very hot and dry and packed mm. here. And so she says we have to add amend and amend is smells gross because it's full of a lot of decaying living things. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so when you're in a counseling situation and you have somebody that has a heart soil condition, like in in your book, for example, you mentioned a woman who came to you that said, my husband's thought life is just out of control. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, okay, let me help you change his thoughts, you said, well, that's because his heart is broken. His heart is full of sadness. Yeah. So- how do how do you determine like what's going on in someone's heart? And then how do you work with that? Well, first I want to educate people always about how our emotional pain is a part of the human experience. We've mm-hmm. been trained so much by our culture and then cemented it by saying it was God with scriptures <laughs> about the mind, but really needing to correct the way that we have viewed the heart and emotional pain in particular, because we're all fine with emotional pain pleasure, right? But that sadness, that anger, that fear, what does it mean? Why is it a normal part of our human experience? That it's not a a counter to our faith and that we can learn from it, that our emotions tell us what we need. And so that hard clay soil in your yard is saying, I need um, certain nutrients to to be softer. I need certain water to be softer. And so it's really important to just take away the stigma of emotion, because I believe the stigma we have against mental illness is actually just the stigma we have about emotion on mm-hmm. steroids. Like if I'm not allowed to be sad, I certainly can't have clinical depression. Yeah. You know, if I'm not allowed to be afraid ever, I can't have an anxiety disorder. So mm-hmm. correcting emotion. And then when it came comes to why my client came to see me, I help them work backwards. What fruit are they wanting to pick off this tree? Mm-hmm. What behavior do they want to get rid of? Well, what plant did it grow from? So what thoughts are you having that you're struggling with? What questions are you wrestling with? And then work backwards into the soil. What emotion is a theme across those questions and those Mm -hmm. thoughts? 
You know, when we wake up at 2 a.m. and we're Googling ourselves to death on our phone, <laughs> uh, trying to figure out how we're going to pay our kids tuition or what the best medical treatment for a loved one's condition is, all of the things, questions that never feel satiated. Mm-hmm. Stop and ask yourself, what do I feel? Mm-hmm. Because if we recognize that those questions, those thoughts are tied together by fear or by grief, then we can go and deal with the emotional pain that's watering those plants. Mm-hmm. And once we are able to let that flow through, the plants just kind of shrivel up and die. Mm-hmm. So we have to realize our thoughts are not the beginning and end of a thing. It's our emotional life and that's in our bodies. And so we learn to work through how we feel. Mm-hmm. That's always where I'm headed. <laughs> if you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know, my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the eCourse, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling, to marketing their practices to Christians, to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. Yeah. And you also talked a lot in your book about like the expression in your body. Mm -hmm. There's a consequence in our body if we don't deal with this, right? 100%. I mean, we know how we feel because of our bodies. We just don't always realize that. So when you say I'm afraid or I'm sad, if you sit still, you'll realize, you know, that because your chest feels heavy or your eyes are tearing up or your neck feels hot. And when you're mad, It's actually our body, the response of our autonomic nervous system to the situations that we're in, that is the building blocks of our emotion. Mm -hmm. And because as Christians, we've also been told that our bodies are problems. Right. And so that it's this suit that we're wearing, right, until Mm -hmm. we die and cast it off. But your body is a miracle. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the gospel story is not even over until we're resurrected in our incorruptible bodies. And so the body is so central to this journey spiritually as well. And so getting in touch with your body to know where you are emotionally. And that is so critical because a lot of times we don't know how we feel or we try to intellectualize it. Like, I think I feel, you know, and it's just like, slow down. What's your body doing? And this is critical too, because the only reason that Jesus had the intense emotions that he had was Mm -hmm. because he was not only fully divine, but fully human. He put on a body. If my emotional pain was the result of my bad thinking, then that would mean that Jesus had bad thinking. Mm. When he cried outside Lazarus's tomb, when he flipped tables in Jerusalem's temple, when he begged God for a break in Gethsemane, he was experiencing Mm -hmm. the emotion of fear. Why else wouldn't he want to be crucified? And Why would Jesus have those emotionally painful experiences? Because he has a body like we do. Mm -hmm. If we attribute that to the mind and say, "Ah, I need to renew my mind so I wouldn't have this emotional pain, then that means Jesus needed to renew his mind. So Mm -hmm. that's the case. Why (laughs) let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus. We know Jesus's thinking wasn't bad, but he had a body. And so Mm -hmm. he feels everything we feel 
Hebrews 4.15, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of yeah. our infirmities. So mm-hmm. he felt what we feel. No feeling is a sin. It's not a bad thing. It's just part of being human. Yeah. I do sit with people sometimes and I'll say, oh, where do you feel that in your body? And mm-hmm. they'll look at me like, I'm what? supposed to feel this in my body. What are you talking about? Right. I'll say, just, just give it a minute. Just sit with it a minute. Yeah. Allow it to fully develop. Mm-hmm. Now, now touch where it's where you're feeling it, yeah. and people will be surprised. You know, a lot of it is held here, like near our chest and our shoulders, mm-hmm. our necks, our jaws. Mm-hmm. But some necks, our intestines. Sometimes you feel it in your booty, and mm-hmm. you don't know why. Why am I having a pain in my booty when I right. have this emotion? And Lower then that. Pain. That mm-hmm. gives us some information mm-hmm. that we can follow. We can trace it yeah. and see what's and, really going on. And allow it to flow through. You know, the goal of approaching emotion is not to figure out how to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It's to experience it so that it can flow through. Jesus experienced sadness, but I would his heart wasn't wayside soil. Mm-hmm. Jesus experienced anger, but he didn't have stony soil. The problem isn't the emotion, but when we hold it in, it can change the texture of the soil over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so allowing it to flow through, that's the example that Jesus gave us, keeps the soil fertile for the yeah. things we want to grow there versus mm-hmm. the things we don't want to grow. So we yeah. need to feel that stuff. That's right. I have two kids that are a little bit neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Like when my daughter has ADHD and sometimes, uh, sometimes having a different kind of brain than the mm-hmm. typical person's brain will allow you to, <laughs> you too, Dr. Anita. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm pretty divergent. <laughs> Sometimes that allows you to do this in a way that all the rest of us that are just towing the line mm-hmm. are, are not able to do. Because mm-hmm. like, sometimes we see like a kid stimming or something, like let's talk about hand flapping mm-hmm. or um, having a, a behavior that seems just a little bit out of the ordinary. And I do believe like, rather than saying, oh, that's sensory seeking, sensory avoiding something, sometimes it's just allowing emotion to process through your body. And the rest mm-hmm. of us are just a little bit too, like in a box, too embarrassed to allow. Right, too embarrassed, too worried about right? what other people will think. Yeah. Yeah. There's but raising kids mind. like this, I'm learning about like how, how it works, the mind, the body, the heart, like it's all, it's all connected and it's all needing that mm-hmm. opportunity, as you said, to flow through. Yeah. And it I mean, goes body, emotion, thought, behavior, right? That's the way it flows. And we don't even use the word heart. We are, we've been trained to talk about the mind and the body and God renew, but yeah, I love that example too, because yeah. kids don't have the same fears that we do. Yeah. And uh, we can all probably remember one of those moments in childhood when we learned harshly that our emotions should, yep. are not meant to be shared, expressed right. publicly, that they should be hidden. But those lessons were bad lessons. Right. Right. Reject the lesson. Yeah. I learned as a nine-year-old that my anger didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I literally did not get angry again for a, over a decade. Yeah. Just didn't, didn't, didn't get angry. Mm-hmm. So then Not I got outwardly into, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I got into adulthood and then I had to, I had to relearn all the lessons. Yeah. yeah. Because underneath it's flowing through our bodies and we've disconnected. So we don't feel it, but that doesn't mean it isn't there. Yeah. And it's wreaking havoc on our nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's showing up as irritable bowel syndrome and mm-hmm. digestive problems, lower back pain, yeah. diabetes, high blood pressure, autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. The body is crying out. Yeah. 
or so, in our relationships. Uh, oh, for sure. In our <laughs> lordy, lordy. Um, it's showing up everywhere when we really just want to embrace what our emotions are telling us that we need. Our painful mm-hmm. emotions are telling us, hey, we need connection. Um, sadness is saying, I need connection. Mm-hmm. Anger is saying, I need value, respect, boundaries. Mm-hmm. And fear says, I need to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Humans can't live without connection, worth, and mm-hmm. safety any mm-hmm. more than we can live without food or water. Yeah. And so I want people to start treating their emotional pain as a hunger pang yeah. or a need. This grief says I'm, I'm, I'm disconnected from something, someone, some place valuable. I need an experience of connection today. Mm -hmm. I'm starving for it. Mm -hmm. Sadness is that, you know, fear saying I feel unsafe. I need to get to safety. If we treated that emotional pain as a hunger pang, Mm -hmm. the soil is saying water me, fertilize me. I I have needs and we don't get mad at soil. (laughs) Need it. Just like we don't get mad at ourselves for being hungry. We don't, there's no value judgment there. We expect to eat. We expect to be hungry tomorrow. We expect to be hungry next week, but we want to somehow figure out how to end emotional pain once and for all. I just, I, I don't want to deal with the sadness again. I want to solve it now. It's like, yeah, no, you'll be hungry again. You'll yeah. Hungry. And it's the same with when we're trying to feed our bodies. Like right. if we go for empty calories. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we don't meet the need. Right? Exactly. Or if we let the need stay there so long, you know, it's like going to the grocery store hungry. Yeah. Don't do that. Cause you, you know, you're going to get choices. bread and fried chicken instead of <laughs> you know fish and vegetables because the need was so unmet. And when we don't meet our needs for relationship, for safety for so long, and then we suddenly meet the need in a way that is not as healthy as we could, we blame the emotion. Oh, anger made me do that. No, you were starving. Yes. For worth. And then you blew up at Thanksgiving <laughs> 10 years later. It wasn't the emotion. That's the problem is that you let yourself be hungry for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Meet the need. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any words of wisdom? Because I know you do work within church ministries sometimes. Like how can mm-hmm. our churches be helpful in this way? I think it's important to allow people to be honest about how they're feeling, to encourage it, um, for leadership to show it. You know, there have been, I taught a couple Bible studies early in my career, literally with tears streaming down my face, um, rather than trying to pull myself together before I had to teach, you know, I want leadership to be freer with their emotions, but also really show people this is in scripture, really look at the emotional life of Jesus mm-hmm. and encourage people to get the help that they need. The reason that therapy is effective is because in some ways we're all the same. Mm-hmm. We all have lungs. We all have heartbeats. We all have brains. We also all have certain ways that emotion affects our thinking, which affects our behavior and therapists in that way. We're like mechanics. Mm-hmm. We understand how cars work and we're good at fixing them because we recognize the patterns. Mm-hmm. And so encourage people to find their way to therapy spaces and mm-hmm. If they can't find a therapist in their area, who's also a Christian, doesn't mean that you shouldn't go. Yeah. I had surgery last year and I found the highest qualified surgeon I could. Mm -hmm. I did not first research Christian surgeons. Mm -hmm. I looked for surgeons in that area, flew across state lines to work with him. Mm -hmm. And so it turned out he was a Mormon. But that was unexpected. And some Christians will say, well, that's not really Christian. Listen, I'll take the name of Jesus under any circumstances. But my (laughs) point is that I didn't look for a surgeon based on his religion. I looked for a skill set. 
And so I encourage Christians to not see therapists as enemies, Mm -hmm. but people who have a skill set to work with the parts of us that are predictable. We're not that unique. Right. Which is bad and, news, right? <laughs> <laughs> not, not exactly. It's good news. Yeah, that's what it allows us to be able yes, to have specialists that can work. help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One, of, I think the very most popular episode that I've ever recorded has been how to find a Christian therapist, mm-hmm. and I just walk people just through how you know working with your insurance or like scouting out websites. Like, mm-hmm. how do you actually find that person that's going to be a good match for you? And I do give the advice, like some of us don't live in a community that's saturated with therapists. I mean, you're in the LA area, you've got therapists all over the place, right? But some of us don't live in areas like that. And there's not going to be that person that's exactly suited to what you need and lines up with all of your values. Exactly. So if you need a specialist, you need a specialist and that's a priority. And as things get more stabilized and you maybe want to explore some different things. I've had people that come have come to me after seeing a different secular therapist for mm-hmm. whatever reason they were going through and felt like they got to the point in their journey where they couldn't go deeper because there mm-hmm. wasn't that spiritual element. Mm-hmm. And then they just made a transition and now we're going to work mm-hmm. on something else. Yeah. I love that. So Perfect. Okay. Because you're, you're right. Resources can be limited in certain regions and areas. And these days, more and more people are going to therapy. So it can be a little mm-hmm. harder to find an opening. Yeah. But if you have a strong church home mm-hmm. where you where it's spiritually healthy for you, you're getting your spiritual needs met, mm-hmm. then I would worry less. And also that therapist who's a Christian might not be a Christian like you're a Christian. You know, there's exactly. so much. So I, I love that you you put that out there. I want people to get the help that they yeah. that they need and and not to fear um therapies like EMDR and somatic experiencing, because those are all just tapping into the miracle that our body is. We just haven't realized how amazing the bodies are. Mm -hmm. So you, in your, in your book, you mentioned like, there's the, uh, the heart, Uh, this, Mm -hmm. this blew my mind. Let me just say this for a second. There's the heart. And then there's the four um, streams that flow from it. And it looks exactly like the map of the garden of Eden. And I was like, my mind blown it. <laughs> blew my mind too. That's why I say this is more than a metaphor yeah, yeah, that yeah. literally you'll see in the book. I think we're in chapter 11 by then okay. um, or 10, no 11, how Eden is actually a biological description mm-hmm. of how we're made. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable, but God is God. You know, and it has strengthened my faith so much to see things because there I was this little girl being traumatized by her sister's screams in the middle of the night as she was tormented by those hallucinations. Mm -hmm. And I just feel led to say this for some who are listening. Okay. My family, like I said, we're Pentecostal. So Mm -hmm. we believe in demonic forces. We believe in spiritual warfare. And there were many people who came to our family's home just for my mom and her prayer team to pray with them, to cast spirits out. So I'm not skipping it. And I want you to do that. I want you to pray. I want you to spiritually war, but I also want you to go to therapy. And I also want you to go to the doctor. Like it doesn't have to be one way, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, biologically do all the things. Mm -hmm. But on those nights when I was being awakened and traumatized by her screams, by demons that weren't demons after all, uh, I started having these questions and on the days of creation, God had already written the answer. Hmm. 
is that neuron looking like a plant had already happened. Our nervous system functioning as a tree of life, it had already happened. God had written the answer to my question Mm -hmm. before I even existed on this earth. And so this gives me so much faith for other things in my life when I'm facing pain, when I'm facing confusion, when I'm dealing with loss, Mm -hmm. just to remember that God took care of all of this so long ago. And eventually my healing and my freedom and my answers will be revealed, but finding some peace in the process because he wrote it all on creation day. Right. It's already done. It's already planned for your healing. Yes. He planned for my needs to be met before I had the need at all. That's beautiful. I really like, I got to listen. I love when authors read their own books. Oh, that was fun. It makes it makes a huge difference in getting the message and the mm-hmm. feeling behind it. So thank you for doing that. I I I mostly read air quotes while mm-hmm. I'm driving kids around to different things. Gotcha. That's a <laughs> good way to get it in. <laughs> so I get it in. I got it in the audiobook and that was beautiful. And I really want to encourage people that if you're starting this exploration or even if you're you've gone down a pathway and you're trying to figure out what's going on with your emotions your thoughts your body and you need a little guidance or you need like a picture to be opened up to you because it seems like god really does speak to us in pictures right like this would be a really excellent choice for you to grab the book grab the audiobook if you're like me and you need to be able to listen to it and and spend some time with this because in a, a lot of your chapters, especially later chapters, you're also giving practices that people can mm. do. You're not just giving us head knowledge or trying to encourage our hearts, but you're actually saying, okay, stop. I think you call it a garden walk, right? Yes. Yes. Stop um, and do mm-hmm. this practice. Mm-hmm. 100%. There are practices throughout the book. It is definitely about understanding first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you move through the book, yeah, we'll begin to give you ways to actually implement this in your, in your life through different meditations, scripturally focused, um, because that is important. So we're going to get understanding and then we're going to get to work. Right. Right. And it's not just like, here's a devotion for you to do about it. It's Mm -hmm. like, take your body and position it this way and do this action and breathe this way. And Dr. Anita is going to count while you're breathing, you know, (laughs) yes, we're in it. It's helpful. So right. I would encourage people to pick this up. And then would you tell us other ways that people might be able to connect with you, social media, podcast, all of that? Absolutely. So I have a podcast called In the Light with Dr. Anita that I started back in 2020. And so jump on in there, start from the beginning, work your way through, and new episodes will be coming in January. I also am on Instagram and Facebook as Dr. Anita Phillips, Dr. Anita Phillips. And YouTube as well. I have a YouTube channel, uh, same name, Dr. Anita Phillips. I'm pretty easy to find. Mm -hmm. And um, you can meet me in all of those places and hear various sermons that I've taught, messages that Mm -hmm. I've given, um, and just daily posts encouraging us to stay um, rooted and grounded (laughs) in the garden of our hearts. Comes back to that. And the book, of course, is available everywhere you get books. You can find it. Yes. Beautiful book. Um, and of course, all of those things will be in the show notes. So it'll be really easy links for listeners to click on and be able to find those things. And now, Dr. Anita, before I let you go today, I ask all my guests, what are you doing for soul care? Oh, man. This morning, mm-hmm. I got up in time to see the sunrise over mm-hmm. the ocean. 
I walked down. I'm fortunate to live near the shore. And I went down to the ocean and watched the sunrise. And it just put my heart and my body in such a place of peace for today. Mm -hmm. So I try to get outside and Mm -hmm. see the beauty. And we know um, research shows that being in nature actually calms our bodies, which helps us emotionally. Mm -hmm. So to take care of my soul, I take care of my body. Yes. And uh, that's a part of what it means to have a soul. I'm a living soul. Yes. I like that. I am also an ocean girl, beach girl. Good to hear that. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today and for just offering this book to the church and to the people listening here. And we just really appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.